Chapter 13 But if Daddy really loved me, he wouldn't have left, Lucy said, tears welling up in her eyes. I know it's hard to understand right now, but Dad died protecting you, I said. I couldn't quite bring myself to say that he'd also died for me. It hurt too much. My dad and I hadn't had the best relationship over the past couple of years, and I'd thought some terrible things about him. This was survival's guilt, but it was something else, too. So, Daddy was like Jesus? I coughed on the water I was sipping. I know that kids can say the darndest things, but this question caught me off guard. I wiped the moisture from my chin. What do you mean? I asked. Well... Mommy used to tell me stories about Jesus. She said that he died to save me. Is that what Daddy did? Guilt of another kind washed over me in waves so thick I thought I might drown. I'd spent years judging my dad and his version of Christianity. But when it came down to it, he did the right thing in the end. He lived out what he said he believed. Yeah. I guess it kind of is what he did, I said, trying not to choke up. So, I don't have to stay mad at him anymore, Big? My heart melted. I was so relieved just to hear my old nickname come back. It may sound silly, but hearing her call me Big reassured me that everything was going to be okay. Lucy would be alright. What were you mad at him about? I asked. She had me intrigued. That pastor of our new church reminded me of Uncle Jenks. It made me mad that Daddy would bring me around him. Do you remember how mad you were at Daddy when Uncle Jenks hurt me? Yes, I remember, I said, shifting uncomfortably in my seat. The truth was, I'd never forget. My uncle's monstrous actions coupled with his crazy religious beliefs, were what caused such a change in my own faith. Well, that's how I felt about Daddy for bringing me around Pastor Akka. He scared me, just like Uncle Jenks did. I didn't like the way he looked at me. Lucy was staring down at her hands. She never made eye contact when she was feeling uncomfortable or overwhelmed. I remember it so clearly. My dad and I stood in the laundry room on the night the police arrested Jenks. I refused to call him Uncle Jenks anymore. We had put Mom into the ground only months before. Dad, in his grief, had reconnected with his estranged older brother. I only remember seeing him one time in my childhood. He showed up to my backyard birthday party when I turned ten. As unperceptive as ten-year-old boys can be on their birthdays, surrounded by their closest friends, no girls allowed, except my girls, Mom and Lucy. It took mere minutes for me to realize that something was amiss. I saw Jenks come in through the back fence, had seen him hug Mom and Dad, but I didn't know who he was. We didn't have any pictures of him up in the house. His name never came up at dinner. As far as ten-year-old me was concerned, my only uncles were my mom's brothers. 
About the time all of the pizza was being unboxed, I noticed that my dad and Jenks were on the side of the house, away from everyone else. They were arguing. Jenks was swaying side to side, and at the time I thought he was doing some kind of funny dance. I know now that he was just drunk. My young curiosity was piqued, but pizza was a stronger draw. I sat down with my friends, stuffed my face, and the curious sight at the side of the house quickly faded away. Before I could finish my first slice, though, their argument had turned into a screaming match. The next thing I knew, my dad was dragging Jenks forcefully by the collar of his shirt, through the back gate, and out of our lives. I didn't see him again. That is, until Mom died. How could you say that to her? I asked, practically yelling now. Because I believe it, my dad said. The laundry room was small and cramped. We stood almost nose to nose, his back against the dryer and mine against the washer. A hum filled in the silences between our words as clothes tumbled dry within the heated vortex of the machine. Everything you believe doesn't need to be passed on to a child in grieving, I said. I'm grieving too. This thing, and your mom. There's the problem, Dad. You're always making things about yourself. You say shit to make yourself feel better. And this thing was the raping of your only daughter. Can you even bring yourself to say it? I stood tall, seeing as it was your fault. This was nobody's fault, he yelled. This was one of those things that happens in this wicked world. His voice trailed off. I knew my words had hurt him. I was glad. Yeah, that's what you say to comfort yourself. And that God will use it. You make me sick. My dad stared down at his hands as teardrops fell to the linoleum. After we'd learned about Jenks's arrest... We decided to sit Lucy down and tell her. She'd been having night terrors for weeks, and we assumed it was because of what Jenks had been secretly doing to her while Dad was letting him crash on the basement couch. We may never know how many nights he snuck up to her room. She still won't talk about it, with us or with her therapist. So we sat her down and told her the good news, that her abuser was locked up and couldn't hurt her anymore. There was no change in her countenance when she heard this. She stayed stoic throughout the conversation. That is, until my dad made the comment. God can use this for good, sweetheart. Lucy frowned, her eyebrows furrowed, and then she grew stoic again. But for those few seconds, she'd shown an emotion. Confusion. It pissed me off. She had enough confusion in her life. Within a three-month period, she lost her mother, gained an uncle, and then that same uncle took her innocence. Later that night, after tucking Lucy into bed, we found ourselves in the laundry room. It was the room that was farthest from hers. My blood had boiled all night, and I was ready to unleash the fury on my dad. He cried for a few minutes, then spoke again his eyes bloodshot. The light bulb dangling above us flickered, 
and then settled. He took a deep breath and spoke. I've got faith that God can take this terrible situation and use it for good. I'm standing by that. I've lived and seen more stuff than you can imagine. Here we go, I interrupted, rolling my eyes. Just let me finish, he said. I did. I've witnessed some horrible things, only to see them work themselves out in the end. I can't explain it. It's just something you gotta see close up. My faith tells me that God is behind it. That belief makes God out to be a jerk. He can use a bad thing, but he can't keep it from happening in the first place. I don't claim to have all the answers, Billy, he said, holding his palms out. All I've got is a little faith in my life experience. You think I'm stupid or crazy, but I hope that someday you'll remember this conversation and you'll get it. At the time, I took his comment as patronizing. I feel differently now. I leaned back against the washer, thinking. He clasped his hands in front of his belly, patiently awaiting my reply. The smell of detergent wafted up to my nostrils, and I was reminded of my mom. A rush of emotions took me by surprise. I didn't want to cry in front of my dad. So instead of giving in to the grief, I gave in to the anger. You know what, Dad? I think you're right, I said. I will remember this conversation. One day you'll be dead and gone, and I'll replay this moment. It'll be a blot on the memory of you. I'm done. After that conversation, things were never quite the same between us. I knew that I'd broken his heart. In the moment, I'd meant to do just that. The sweet taste of victory, though, didn't take long to turn sour. A few hours later, I felt remorse over using my sharp tongue, but my pride allowed no apology. We never discussed the conversation again, and now I'm the one with the broken heart. It's clear to me now that I was short-sighted. I thought I knew it all, but my dad was right. If I am going to allow my faith to be rekindled, it has to start with this. I never, in a million years, could comprehend how anything good could come from the pain and horror that happened to Lucy. Yet, the innocence that Jenks stole from her was the same innocence that would have brought Pastor Akka's dagger down into her heart. I don't claim to understand it. I struggle to comprehend it. But that's how faith works, doesn't it? It's an admission that we don't have all the answers, and probably never will. I'll never forgive Jenks for what he did, nor do I feel like I need to. I'm not sure what that says about me still claiming to be a Christian, but I do remember something about Jesus claiming anyone who hurt a child should be tossed into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck. I guess nothing in this life is black and white. There will always be gray, even when it comes to religious beliefs. It's all a mystery, and I'm okay with that. I believe that Lucy has been given a second chance in this life, 
and I plan to do all that I can to be there beside her, to help her experience love and peace. All the beautiful things in life that have since mom died eluded her at every turn. Pastor Akka and Jenks are both gone. They'll never be able to hurt you again, I said with certainty. It won't be easy without mom and dad, but I promise to never leave or forsake you. Lucy smiled. She has the kind of smile that can melt the iciest of souls and soften the hardest of hearts. I turned to liquid before her. Then I guess you were like Jesus too, huh, Big? She said. Yeah, I agreed. I guess I am. Greetings, dear listeners. Thomas Gloom here. Thank you so much for coming on this wild ride with me. I put a lot of my heart and soul into both this story and the audio production of it. If you liked what you heard, then please consider leaving a review for Disciples of Nergal on Goodreads. If you want to read or hear more from me, you've got plenty of options. Check out www.thomasgloom.com to learn about my books and where you can follow me on social media. For an even more intimate view into my writer's life, join my newsletter, Gloom's Graveyard. You'll see the link on my website. If you're ready to hear my audiobook narrations, and search my name on Audible. You can also check out some of the short stories I've narrated as bonus episodes on the Into the Gloom podcast. Without you, my dream of telling scary stories wouldn't be possible. I'm eternally grateful that people like you want to spend time with the work I create. If you'd like to help me continue to weave stories with horror and heart, then spread the word. There's a new face in horror, and his name is Thomas Gloom. Stay spooky, my friends, and please remember to leave a light on. <laughs>